0: hey guys welcome to carol's coffee house a place for catholic singles in their 20s and 30s can grow in community and deepen their spiritual life i'm Mora. i'm sarah grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea and let's get started
1: well hello you guys first of all welcome back to carol's coffee house mm-hmm. uh, where we have a guest host joining us in the coffee house this week we have our really good friend you might know him from catholic twitter he is. A he lover. loves pizza. He is and coffee. a lover. He. I am thrilled, by the way, to have another coffee drinker in this coffee house because most of our other guest hosts, <laughs> they don't like coffee or they don't drink it, and I don't understand That's that. Because they're
0: on Nora's team, they like
1: tea. <laughs> red. He's holding up a red flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> fell <laughs> on the play yes coffee lover pizza lover also a seminarian studying for the priesthood soon to yeah. be, soon to or- be ordained a deacon yes yeah that's so exciting gosh by the time this podcast comes out you will probably be a deacon already so that's oh, so exciting, exciting. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> anyway please welcome mark council council of crazy no duke of pizza now is it
2: i I rebranded um if that's a thing i don't know i just i i felt no longer like a council of crazy people but the duke of pizza there
0: you go i love it you're in good you're in good company with rebranding because brother Teresa became chef brother
2: oh we should have him cater at the coffee house one time
0: (laughs) this is
1: true this is true i think he drinks coffee maybe sometimes actually i don't know for sure we should have him be a barista in the coffee house. You could join
0: Joe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be drinking coffee right now, but given what time zone I'm in and where we're when we're recording this, I I can't. But I, I did have some coffee earlier today, and I I'm too. still <laughs> kind of just vibing with it. It's oh, good. for
1: sure. That's actually what I was just going to say too. I was like, I'm, I'm, we are recording this in the evening, and so. Uh, I'm a little bit bummed that that I didn't get the chance to sit down and actually drink coffee with the coffee lover himself.
2: You tweeted something recently about like walking out with three coffees. (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, that is such an amazing thing to do to try. I think I've done that with pizzas before, but like (laughs) for coffees to just be like, oh, have a nice day, have a nice party and hope you all enjoy the the various coffees with your various <laughs> friends and you're like <laughs> uh, <laughs> these are mine. <laughs>
1: these are mine, they're all mine. I did. It was so funny. Yeah, I had tweeted about going to a coffee shop and I ordered three large coffees. And the the person put them in the, they put them in the carrier for me and they're like, all right, you guys all enjoy that. And I was like,
0: okay. <laughs> it's, just it's just me. You've
2: been awake ever since.
0: Exactly. I haven't <laughs> slept yet. <laughs> You might just have had some mild shaking and some
2: sweating.
1: No. If you're not shaking,
0: <laughs> you need another cup. Or you need a hospital.
2: <laughs> I I think my answer is somewhere between those two answers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do, you know, do you
1: ever wonder if baristas need to ever worry about cutting people off like bartenders do?
2: I have and a story like,
1: about this. Oh! And they'd be <laughs> like... Sarah, that is your eighth espresso. You're done.
2: One time I went to a, a coffee shop and I ordered like the biggest one they had. And I, I think it, it was like a double shot espresso drink type thing. And I was sitting there to work on essays for, for my time at seminary that afternoon. And as I was going up to order my third one of these beverages, my friend who was working at the coffee shop was like, Mark, I love you. This is the last one we're selling you today. (laughs) You've had six shots of espresso and you need to maybe drink some water. So yeah, I've been kind of cut off at a coffee shop. (laughs)
1: That's incredible.
2: (laughs) Well, it was during a time when you could actually sit in a coffee shop and I'm yearning for that. Because like, well, with COVID, we, we, we haven't been able to do this kind of thing in a while.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and I'm just, I was thinking back about to that story uh, a couple of days ago. And I was like, yeah, I really just miss sitting in a coffee shop and just kind of, you know, I'm an extrovert and I'm really in touch with my introverted self. And so it's like, <laughs> I'd really love to just kind of sit somewhere and kind of watch the world happen and just kind of be still drinking a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we are the same kind of extrovert where like my idea of alone time is yeah going to a coffee shop or a bar but I take a book and I sit by myself and I sit at the bar but I have access to people they're still close by but I'm also like by myself.
2: I've definitely done that I've gone to the bar and just sat with my beer and at this particular establishment i knew many of the servers so we had conversations as they would walk by but for the most part i was just like this is me time um in public but alone i i love it i love being an extrovert but i also love being quiet
1: yeah just to like just to be for a minute i need time to shut your brain off a little bit you want to be alone but like with people nearby (laughs) yeah yep that sounds so nice does that is that you? what kind of an extrovert are you maura
0: i okay so i am outgoing i'm not like a hard extrovert i am outgoing but there are times where i do just get tired or i'm just i want to observe hmm. and then people are like oh you're the extrovert you have to talk and i'm like but i i just want to sit here
1: <laughs> <laughs> not an entertainer are you hiring me <laughs> Pay me in tea. I,
2: I have many thoughts on many things and I think being like being labeled an extrovert or being like oh you're outgoing you're that must mean you're extroverted that must mean you have to fit inside this box yeah that doesn't do anybody any benefits
1: no um, like um kind of referring to the the Myers-Briggs the no. the 16 personalities um, you are you're one of 16
0: personalities. I didn't think he was referring to that. I just thought he was talking about like in general.
2: <laughs> mm. I'm familiar with Myers-Briggs, but I don't know how accurately any system can define a human person.
0: My bachelor's in is in psychology. Okay. And those tests are not valid. They're all dumb.
2: I, I have had a psychologist tell me that
0: yeah they're smart <laughs> so we have friends that are like really into their letters and into this and I'm like you got and then like oh yes we're these letters and then like my ex-partner was these letters I'm just like this I'm like this means nothing this means nothing and then they'll be talking about it and then Perry will just look at me and she'll be like hmm because she knows that I think it's bullcrap
1: oh gosh
0: and I'm I, like I'm the only one with a degree in this and I keep telling you guys it
1: doesn't mean anything so when I've taken the test and I've taken it a few times, it helped me learn a lot about myself and that was really cool. I also know that when I've taken it and I'm most often an ENFP, but they're t- like, depending on my mood, I will answer questions differently. I think they fluctuate and it can, depending on your mood or like what's going on, but yeah, you're not one of 16 personalities. You can't judge a person and be like oh you fall in this box you have to behave a certain way and you function this certain way
2: yeah as a tool maybe for for beginning to learn about yourself well and good but as like a a defining thing like oh this is me this is the entirety of me and if we're just going to ignore whatever falls outside of this scope it's like um Sounds a lot like a horoscope.
0: Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. that is yeah, it cool. does. And that's why it's also bull crap.
2: <laughs> I have a psych eval of myself. Oh. I don't know if this is.
0: No, it's fine. Like, yeah, let's talk about it.
2: Oh, gosh. I don't remember what my password is. Because <laughs> it's... it's it's. Uh,
1: don't say it on the podcast.
2: One, two, three, four. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it told me that I was an extrovert, which was a lot of fun to hear. Because they test you at the seminary. Right. Uh, and so this is where I learned from the psychologist. They they test you three times when you when you apply to the seminary. And so at the beginning, kind of in the middle, and then towards the end. And they're they're looking for red flags. They're looking for things like has this person matured since he entered the seminary seven years ago to, to now? So I'm in the the 82nd percentile for extroversion introversion, so that's it's pretty high. So
0: like when I've taken the test, I have come off right on the border of every letter.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it it,
0: yeah Myers Briggs like I will be like within points, and then if I take it again, I could be on the other side. And then only in recent years have I ended up with my letter like so. People say, "What are your letters?" I'm like E. (laughs) <laughs> because I ride the line that hard on all the other letters.
2: Yeah. Wow. The couple of times I've taken the Myers-Briggs, E, N, and P have been kind of like 60-40, 70-30. But F, feeling has always been like 90, 100. It's never the other letter, whatever that one is. Wow. I'm always like an ENFP or an INFP.
0: T? Is it so uh, feeling or thinking? Yep.
2: And I'm always feeling. Which is, see,
0: just- I'm growing up, I was high feeling and mm. little logic or thinking, but I saw how well my brother operated as a logical thinking person. So I started thinking things through, and I do them both at the exact same time now. And it's a very interesting experience Lodging your out of yourself out of emotions that you haven't processed yet. You're like, but these are valid feelings, like, yeah, but this doesn't make sense. I're just like, okay give yourself a break
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 i i'm usually somewhere in the middle in the middle letters so high e nf could go either way a little bit more toward the middle and then high p i'm always late
0: I'm how are not, you always late
1: because i'm a p i'm <laughs> just kidding i am i uh, what's this
0: perceiving have to do with time
1: Judgment versus perception it literally has to do with your time management.
0: Um, oh, I do yep. both of those. So, like, see those two letters, I, I do both of them.
1: Yeah, I have, but I am blessed to, I'm blessed to have a lot of J friends who are more organized and they have schedules and they make plans because I have so many good ideas and fun things that I want to do and they never become reality. Because I just think about how great it is. I have no organizational skills to make it actually happen most of the time. Or it takes forever
0: for me to make it happen. I remember one time you told me how organized I was.
1: Yeah, you are organized. You're always on time for Zoom meetings. You're early for Zoom meetings. I'm like coming in on a wing and a prayer.
2: (laughs) I had to trick myself into being organized for, for, for seminary, for school. And it, it, it takes like, I've got my Google calendar and I've got the different tasks. And so I can find it on my phone and I can find it on my, my laptop. I have my daily planner that I write things in, but then in addition to those two things, I have a whiteboard and a whiteboard calendar of all of my things that I need to do during the semester. So that, because if I, if I can see it, then I know I have to do it. Should probably have a list of things that i need to do before my ordination
0: but you but, send out the invitations, so that's good
2: i did send out the invitations i forgot one very important person uh my mom uh, and i was on the phone with her and i was like hey mom so i just sent out the invitations, and she's like well i didn't get one i was like yeah but like you're going to be there <laughs> she's like yes but i still want an invitation i was like mm-hmm. oh i did a bad thing let me, just <laughs> oh, no. let me email you she's honestly the sweetest kindest most extroverted person i know Aww. um the funnest the most amazing thing my mom did we were coming back from seminary at the end of the semester in april this year and she and i were on the phone and she's like yeah so i was bored last weekend so i made 30 dozen cookies And yeah, yeah, the eyes got wide because that's exactly what I was like. 30 dozen? Yeah, I was in a mood, she says. And I was like, I am so excited to be home.
1: Oh, oh, that's awesome. 30 dozen cookies.
2: That's that's a lot of cookies. I just did the math.
1: (laughs) You know... You could always send them to we have a we have a one of our past guest hosts who has cookies and milk literally every night. Nixter Wixter.
0: It's a little What's weird that? actually, I think. To have cookies and milk every night? Every night? Yes. Like Santa.
2: Depends on the size of the cookie. Depends on how many cookies. Like we I need more context. <laughs> <laughs> I do too.
0: Kenny <laughs> drinks one percent milk. I'm a
1: 2%er so <laughs> I
2: I used to be a 2%er but I haven't had a glass of milk in forever. Actually, I think it was since my first year at seminary. I just I just stopped drinking milk.
1: I really like milk. My uh, my family, I'm one of how many how many siblings? I'm one of eight kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in my house growing up, we would go through at least a gallon of milk a day if not more and recently my mom and dad became empty nesters and so my mom sent us a picture one day of almost like a half full gallon of milk and said this milk is spoiled because we couldn't drink it fast enough and now i'm gonna have to start buying half gallons like an old person (laughs) that's never happened in our house before to buy a half gallon of milk because you don't need a full one. Crazy.
2: I'm one of three boys and I'm the middle child and we would have like free reign on on snack. If we had supper, then we had free reign on snacks as long as it wasn't too much and too extravagant after supper. Mm-hmm. So like we, we would have like supper at five because my mom comes from a farming background and then we would have, you know, a glass of milk at that time. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to have some peanut butter toast and a glass of milk or I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. 11 o'clock, like 11 p.m. cereal, if I'm ever up that late anymore, is some of like the best food you can ever eat. I don't know what it is about breakfast food at 11 p.m., but it's just it's so good. And I recommend everybody try it.
1: See, it's, a, it's the soothing routine. It's the process. 11 p.m. cereal. Every night you have cookies and milk before bed. It's just like, it's what you do. Yeah. It's your nighttime routine. Maura's making a face. She just doesn't understand. It's okay.
2: She does drink tea.
1: It's true. Those tea drinkers, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Should we get into our espresso shot for today, though? We should.
0: We should. All
1: right. Our espresso shot today comes from St. Augustine. And St. Augustine says, Father, I am seeking. I am hesitant and uncertain, but will you, O God, watch over each step of mine and guide me? Wow. It's a beautiful prayer. Father, I am seeking. I think my favorite part about that quote is that he just flat out says, I am hesitant and uncertain because I feel like so many prayers or so many, like a lot of encouragement, spiritual encouragement comes from, don't worry, be bold, put your faith in God, trust in the Lord, you know, and those are, yes, yes, that is good. You should do those Uh, things. Um, I hate those words. (laughs) Easier said than done, right?
2: Well, it just...
0: It doesn't, act, I don't think it really helps people when they're really in the trenches. I think I it mean, be it, a little bit patronizing.
1: Maybe. But what, yeah, that's my favorite part about that quote is it's, he just flat out says, I am hesitant and uncertain. Instead of really trying to put on a brave face and really trying to like stay strong. And I really like that. He's just like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I am hesitant I am uncertain. I am human and humans are imperfect. And I, I do have worries and I do have anxiety.
2: It's, it's very vulnerable and raw. I'm hesitant and I'm uncertain. And God, can you just, will you just watch over each step of mine and guide me? I'm, I'm at my wits end. I want to trust that you do, guide over watch over each step and you do guide me but I'm hesitant I'm uncertain I don't know what I am I'm I'm seeking yeah it's emotional it's raw it's vulnerable and it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's something that resonates with me a lot I'm seeking my path is a little bit you know a month out from ordination my path is a little bit less kind of uncertain but I'm still you know there are anxieties. There are things that I'm hesitant about, you know, not big things at this point, thanks be to God. Uh, oh. But there there are certain things that I'm still seeking, like what kind of priesthood, what kind of church am I, am I entering into? What kind of priest will I be? God, watch over each step of mine and guide me. I think this prayer is beautifully vulnerable and raw, and it's an invitation to make our prayer as vulnerable and raw and emotional and you know not all put together like the lord's prayer is very put together it's like okay these are the things and you are just ta da yeah
1: it is you know and it, especially coming from somebody who like a saint saint augustine who was kind of a hot mess for a while
0: <laughs> yeah
1: right? You know, he, he had a huge journey in his life. Um, he has been through the ringer and uh, he was very lost for a long time. So he knows St. Augustine in particular knows about what it feels like to be seeking. And I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to in whatever path of life you're in. I don't think you ever stop seeking You know, you have times where, you know, like Mark, you you mentioned how your path is a little bit more straightforward right now. It's very clear, like where you're headed beyond that. You're not sure you kind of have an idea, but you never know what God's going to throw at you. And that's kind of exciting. Also, I'm sure very, very nerve wracking. And that's where you can have a little bit of hesitance or you can have a little bit of uncertainty and just asking God for the grace watch over every step of mine and guide me and there's hope in that sentence as well
2: yeah i'm just i'm getting at this this thought right now so it's not fully fleshed out but kind of like a little kid going to their father and i mean that's what it is in prayer we're, we're all putting ourselves placing ourselves before our father in heaven but this this image of like saint augustine is like this little kid's like but will you will will you oh god will you know and he's kind of nervous and he's kind of not sure about asking will will you watch over each step of mine will will you guide me and of course the answer from god is yes of course and you know like the big loving embrace and i you know mm. that's an image that is is very relevant to to my story and Maybe we'll touch on this later, but this idea of the God who is always there to, to pick you up when you fall and to just give you the biggest hug. Um, mm. That's where this image of St. Augustine kind of like timidly placing himself before his father and going like, oh God, will you watch over each step of mine and guide me? And a very timid childlike innocence or childlike faith where he's just completely dependent and hoping and yeah, there are a lot of different things.
1: I love that. I love that analogy. I'm a nanny. My my two-year-old that I take care of is in a gymnastics class every week, and I go with her and participate in it with her. And she really likes to do, she loves the balance beam, but she has a hard time letting go of my hand and walking on herself. She knows how to do it. I've taught her how to Put one foot in front of the other and go slow and everything, and she could do it by herself. If, you know, and I'm and I'm walking next to her all the time, but she has a hard time letting go of my hand because she is hesitant and uncertain. I know that I am going to be there to catch her if she does fall down. Like if she does like lose her balance, I'm gonna be there to like help her remain straight. I help her like get her back on that balance beam track. I know that. And I know that I'm going to be able to do that. She's the one actually doing it though. And she's still a little bit afraid to have me let go of her so she can do it by herself.
2: That's the, Yeah, that's wonderful. My imagination runs wild, but okay. like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture God's response to this. Like maybe just to, to try to logic or kind of rationalize like the validness of this prayer. That might be a silly thing to do because prayer is always is always a good thing, but like God is hearing this prayer and he's going like, I have what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I am watching over yourself. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I am gonna guide you. And this wonderful image of exactly what you described, like walking with us as we're going on this balance beam. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, there are times in our life where we we do stumble. And when you're up on the balance beams, it's a far way down, but God is definitely ready to catch us. Yeah, uh,
1: exactly. He'll always be there to walk next to us.
2: And this is all wonderful to talk about. And I'm kind of in a a space where I'm... But to tell somebody who's currently struggling that, oh, yeah, yeah, God will catch you, doesn't do much help. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely very aware of both sides of of that predicament, where I have been the person trying to affirm and confirm for another person who's in the midst of struggles, like, hey, this is going to get better, and God still loves you. And it's like, the person doesn't need to hear that in that moment. That's not going to help them in that moment. But at the same time, the idea behind those words is what's going to help them, but not conveyed in that way. Um. And... It's getting me very excited to, to talk about the Father's love in this way. And it's like, yeah, God really is like that. And I'm aware of the fact that people are might be listening and they're, they're going through things. And they're like, I don't feel that. I yeah. don't feel that right now. And I'm a little bit envious of the fact that you guys are feeling that. But I, I don't feel that. Like, like, that's not resonating with me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm hesitant. I'm uncertain. And I don't even think I can finish. Like, I don't. I'm, I'm seeking I'm hesitant, I'm uncertain, but I don't know if I trust enough to to finish that prayer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and and where's this like telling me to trust? Well, you know, I'm human and, and the way trust works with you, I you've got to earn my trust. And of course, God is 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 worthy of trust, but you know, when you're in the thick of it and you're how much are oh trust. That's all you really need, guys, it's, it's trust. Those words don't do anything. Like, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mark, I really am vibing with you. I'm just like, cause there's just some times where it's like when you hear like people talk, it's like, have hope in the Lord and trust. And you're like, shut up. You don't know my life. You got married at 28. Ah. Like, Like, oh, I didn't die in combustion It's just like, no, you didn't. But I'm 29 and I haven't met anybody.
1: I love when Mora goes off. This
0: is my favorite thing. <laughs> Are you serious? I thought it'd be like your least favorite
2: thing. So it's... It's funny story, or maybe a wonderful story. <laughs> my younger brother is four years younger than me and mm-hmm. entered seminary the year before I did. He will be ordained a priest on the 4th of August this year. Oh, my... so, oh wow just buried the lead we forgot about that whole thing Uh, but he was in a position where yeah he's younger than I am and he's like oh yeah oh yeah don't worry Mark don't you don't worry you know in the Lord's time in the Lord's time I'm like you little bugger
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've also had people tell me to trust in the Lord with and have hope when it came to my grandmother I'm like like oh, just offer it up to God. Just talk to God about it. You'll be fine. I'm like, no, I won't. No, I won't. Mm. She's she's still As we're recording it, she's currently still alive. But mm. you know, we did not think that would be a year ago. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, there's just like things that people say that you're just like, shut up. <laughs>
2: but... okay. I have I have a, another. I have another opinion about it because I I know it's probably hopefully coming from like a good place it's coming from a good intention and the intention behind it is well-meaning but I don't know the degree to which people understand the impact their words have for Mm -hmm. people who are not in a similar situation right and to be aware of you know who are you talking to like to be intentional about who you're talking to mm-hmm. what's their situation and what are the best words because a platitude like oh just trust in the lord give it i do recommend to talk to the lord about your feelings right to, and to get as emotional as you are in your prayer you know sometimes it's anger sometimes it's joy sometimes it's sadness or or happiness or whatever it is but to get that emotional in prayer and just be like god Ah! (laughs) do that but you know for the person to say oh yeah i'll just talk to god about it and it'll all be good and it's like okay yes talking to god about it will help Mm -hmm. but like you still have to go through those you can't just say okay i've now talked to god about the fact that i've decided to discern and so now all of the discernment is over um that's not how it works that's not how this works I've talked to God about the fact that, you know, I really want my grandfather to be at my ordination to the priesthood in a year from now. Mm -hmm. And he will be 91 in November. So, eh, you know, we're, we're praying about it. And the the prayer is, is just a lot of like, God, like your will. Yep. Cause, and, and like, Oh, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be angry. I have a lot of emotions, but you can't really, this is some advice I was given at seminary, you can't truly feel feelings about a situation until that situation has come and gone. You, you can grieve in, in potential for somebody's death. It's like, oh, I know my grandmother's not doing well. When I was at seminary, my grandmother did die. And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my grandmother. I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. It's like, you can think you're dealing with these emotions before that thing has happened yeah but you still have to deal with those emotions after it's happened yep. right yep and the the stuff that comes before is what what are you gonna what, what ultimately is that is that doing for you you can't yeah. prepare yourself it's fully true. yeah yeah it's a thing it's a mark
0: i just am like laughing that you thought you wouldn't have anything profound or proignant to say it i'm like oh my gosh i'm just eating all this up
1: <laughs> i really it's so good i'm super good <laughs> so
0: good <laughs> probably a good time to start your story
2: yeah i my name is 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 mark i'm a, a seminarian <laughs> this is i've <laughs> Just like how all of my my story starts, uh, okay. I introduce myself. <laughs> this this is gonna be a lot of fun. I grew up in a like a countryside home. the The nearest town was about seven kilometers from the nearest town, and the town had about five hundred to thousand people in it. And I am the middle of three children, three boys. Uh, my mom's a stay at home mom. My dad's a, a mechanic, a farm equipment mechanic, welder, machinist. And there are two really big moments from my early childhood. This memory of my dad driving us, just my brothers and I, and we're in kind of like a bench seat pickup truck, and I'm sat up against the passenger door. There are four of us in a truck with three seat belts, because we were in the 90s and in the country, and Mm -hmm. I must have been misbehaving and and being a little bit rebellious because my dad's like you have to listen to your father that's that's his quote like he just i remember him saying you have to listen to your father and i thought i would be funny and i'd say i said which one because already at that age i had <laughs> i had the awareness it's like okay well we pray the our father and father in heaven okay so which father am i supposed to be listening to right <laughs> the, the one that's right here beside me or then heaven and my dad kind of just sighed and shook his head he said both and I was like, oh, okay, fine. I guess I'll behave now. <laughs> you're
1: those children.
2: <laughs> I was one, of, I was the stereotypical middle child. I was a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. But the the second, it's the part of the, the mass where you're kneeling at the, and I'm sitting there counting the ceiling tiles because I'm seven or six years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my dad, is kneeling beside me and we're up in the balcony and I'm looking over the railing and I'm counting the ceiling tiles and oh. dad nudges me. And he's like, Mark, pay attention. Something important's happening. And like those words, pay attention. Something important is happening. The faith of a, you know, a simple man in the countryside. He's just a man who goes to church and this is his faith. There's something important happening at mass. That's why mm-hmm. we're showing up every week. And I look down and I'm seeing the, the priest elevating the, the, the body during the consecration, during the, the liturgy, the Eucharist and the bells are being rung by the altar servant. I was like, Oh, okay. So this is important. And those two things are like some of my earliest memories and the shaping the way I understand church and the way I understand my relationship with God
0: mm-hmm.
2: until I think that was grade two. And then like six years later in grade eight, I, I did start altar serving and, Within like a couple of years, I was the guy training the altar servers. I had a deep love for being up there and feeling like it was, you know, like you could say are like the beginnings of this call being planted. Blessed to have really wonderful parish priests growing up. Yeah. The, the, the pastor who I'm currently staying with this summer between my years at seminary was the the pastor of the my parish back home and is the most wonderful like the easiest person to to crack a joke with to tell a story to to have listened to your story um just an amazing example really full of energy and excitement and joy i think joy is the one word you could um use to to describe you know priests can be joyful in in a playful way they don't have to be the serious studious kind of reserved all of the time so this kind of joyfulness kind of gets a from grade eight through grade 10 kind of gets a a period of like oh yeah this is mark kind of coming into himself and realizing Mm -hmm. that the church is kind of is is very important and i'm a joyful person and i'm i'm trying to figure out where where i fit in the world I think as everybody is in high school and you're trying to fit in, you're trying to figure out where you fit in. You're really seeking at this time. And I have a cousin who I really looked up to. He was out of high school at this point when I was just entering high school. I forget exactly how old he was. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this guy grew up on a farm and he was, you know, he was tall. He had big muscles. He was never afraid to to help out anybody. And these are like the kind of characteristics that I was like, okay, I want to be tall. Uh, check. I, I want to be, you know, have big muscles. <laughs> eh, we're working on that. But, you know, like I want to be the kind of guy who is not afraid to drop what he's doing and help other people at even my own cost. Hmm. Um, and so this is a cousin I, I really looked up to a lot and I remember going to to visit my aunt one day and we were playing video games and my cousin came back home from work and he was showing us some video games and showing us how to play Mario Kart N64 better and showing us shortcuts and, and whatnot. And Aww. we were having like just a wonderful time. And I think I was between grade nine and 10 at this point. And, you know, he it was 10 o'clock at night and he was just getting home from work and he's all dirty and stuff, but he took the time to kind of like say hi to us and play some games. And oh he went on the, went on the back porch and had a cigar. Cause he happened to have a cigar and it was like really cool. And I was like, such a cool guy, but you don't know what people are dealing with.
0: Hmm.
2: And so tragically, my cousin was depressed and, nobody really knew about it I don't know what he was seeking in his life I don't know what was missing I we never got that chance to to have that conversation and this is about that night of video games was probably the summer of 2006 and in in March of 2007 we we got a call that my cousin had had committed suicide and had he had taken his life and I but like, I, I remember I didn't know how to deal with that. You know, this mm. is...
0: Right, it's hot. that's hard.
2: It's universally hard. It's it's something I, I still struggle to, to put into words. You can't quite describe that feeling adequately. But for myself, an impressionable 15-year-old, this mm-hmm. is a person who I looked up to. This is a person whose life I wanted to emulate. Yeah, and tragically this is a person who didn't want to live his life yeah. so the twist that that put on my mind is like okay I wanted to be everything that he wanted to be I wanted to be everything that outwardly he was he was doing and he didn't want to do that mm-hmm. and so the benefit of about 14 years of living with this is it partly explains the ease of my being able to talk about this but it threw me for a loop and i you know, yeah. probably did the unhealthy thing of trying to repress some of those things and just kind of move on. It's like, okay, were, mm-hmm. I had like the one day at school the next day where the the farmers who, who I went to high school with, who all knew the guy in the family were kind of like really sad and, and kind of like, oh, my condolences, my condolences. And then that one day of attention and then, you know, nothing. Oh um,
1: gosh, yeah.
2: And- I don't know. Like I was coming out of my cage, and I was doing just fine. And um, <laughs> there's a song East lyric. Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I that, there's a there's a there's a song lyric in there. I I will try to to. This is a very heavy topic, and I I don't want to diminish the heaviness of it by sure. by throwing in jokes. But that's just kind of my way of doing things.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: So. I was coming into myself, I was kind of with certain people, being the, the, the person you see in front of you now, um, mm-hmm. way back then, but I was still shy about it. And the, the death of my cousin kind of put me back, back kind of behind us like, okay, I'm going to put on a front, I'm going to, I'm not really going to be authentic to myself, but I'm just, I'm going to do what everybody you know i'm going to i'm going to tone myself down my enthusiasm my hyperactivity I'll, I'll tone that down i'll hide that from the world i won't be authentic but i'll just do what i can to just get through maybe the edgy thing is is to not offer to help even mm. though I, i'd i'd love to help but mm, i'm going to i'm going to put up walls distance myself from this this cousin this this example that he had set out in front of him so oddly enough, this year of, of 2007 is marked with like great tragedy in the month of March. And then a wonderful thing in the in the summer of uh, we had in our diocese here, a conference called Journey to the Father. And it was modeled after Steubenville, Ohio. And it's a high school aged retreat over a weekend. You show up on a Friday, you leave Sunday afternoon. The founder, foundress of Journey had gone to Steubenville in Ohio and was like, we need one of these conferences for the kids back at home that they don't have to bus to. Yeah. We, so it was a scaled down version with more local speakers and smaller names, but
1: sure. Still it very was, powerful though.
2: It, it really was. And I got to go to this thing as a, as a 15 year old as a participant for the first time and see other high school aged kids just alive in their faith and yeah. energetic and not afraid to be enthusiastic at a time when I wanted to be anything but.
1: Mm.
2: And it set up in myself two selves. The, the self that was kind of out in the world and kind of shy and reserved and, you know, felt that he had to monitor, monitor his energy levels so that he didn't offend people. And then me at church, who was enthusiastic, energetical, um, energetic, not en- energetical, is not a word. <sighs> um
1: i like it let's keep it let's keep it, it
2: the, so i i had this great experience as if you're familiar with a steubenville style retreat weekend everything builds up to saturday night adoration yep. and so as a as a kid i'm going into this i'm hearing talks i'm hearing you know the spirit is moving one of the great things is that the holy spirit doesn't wait god always acts first and so that the holy spirit was moving in me yeah. um And as my spiritual director once said to me, sometimes, you know, you don't notice it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will kind of start doing some surgery on you without any anesthesia. Uh, (laughs) But sometimes, like this weekend, things were stirring and there were a lot of emotions. And it was probably a time of processing the emotions of of what had happened earlier that year. And I go to this adoration and just overwhelming experience of, and they processed through the tent and i was still altar serving through this whole time and had a deep love and reverence for the eucharist yeah they're they're processing through and i'm suddenly caught up by this 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 thought like i have to to monitor you know like i'm hearing people who are crying and laughing in other parts of the the, the space
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i'm going like oh no, no no i can't be i can't be that guy i can't be that guy i can't be the guy who's visibly emotional i must be a strong stoic man Mm. Um, that's that's a thing um
0: (laughs) i've heard i have heard that that
2: but the next day they had an altar call it's the closing mass and they're like hey so is there anybody out there who kind of feels like maybe they might be called to the priesthood i was like heck yeah Sure, I think so. Oh, that's so cool. So I get up there and and one of the, the ladies who goes to our parish back home told my mom. Oh. Yep. Uh, oh. That was like... There's
0: no secrets around there, is there?
2: No, not in small towns. No secrets. And my mom, you know, is like the cutest person ever. Not sure how to breach the topic. And she's like, so I heard that so-and-so was saying that you... It's like, mom, don't make a big deal of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that was that was like my first year and I went back the next year and the the year after and, and I finished high school and they had a program at Journey to the Father for kind of like a youth leadership at the weekend and you would spend the 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 5 days before the the weekend doing a retreat and then you would be kind of in a leadership role on the weekend and I did that 2 years in a row and going through and i'm learning about my faith and i'm seeing the experience or the examples set out by my peers Mm -hmm. and i graduate high school and i had an apprenticeship to to be a welder it lasted about two months and then i was like no this this really isn't for me and then i had a construction job for a year and you know, I it afforded me my first car, and then I started to get things like my guitars, and I had an Xbox, I sold that Xbox, I got another Xbox I have. Now I have cameras, that's my hobby. And my, my expenses were low, and I was making a lot of money. And so I was like, okay, things, yeah, things will fill the void. That's, that's ultimately the answer for what I'm <laughs> seeking is it's it's things, right? So I'll have this, right. and that'll make me happy. And, uh, you know, I have three guitars,
0: because
2: yeah. uh, one wasn't enough, apparently. <laughs> this construction job lasted a year, and then I was let let off. And then I found a job working on a farm and running a, an excavator a, a heavy equipment. And I would show up at work at 6, quarter to 6 in the morning, and I would leave work at 6. And I'm an extrovert, and I spent 12 hours a day alone. Um, oh, no. I don't know exactly how I did it. I have an iPod, it was filled with music and I would just sit there and I know the words to a lot of songs now. Because if you're alone for 12 hours a day, you can sing songs. I recommend singing, it's a wonderful pastime. And this time of just wallowing in myself, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing.
1: That's exhausting. As an extrovert, especially like you're kind of stuck with I... your own thoughts for 12 hours every day.
2: You get it. I like, I do. I, I think there came a point where I was just drowning out with my thoughts with my headphones yeah, um, or with my music. And it was a blessing and a curse at the same time because I didn't have the energy to do anything at night. I would get home, I would watch the same show on a DVD in my Xbox and and fall to sleep to it. And I'd be, you know, asleep or eight o'clock at night, eight thirty, and I'd be up at 5 o'clock to, to go work on the farm. And
1: oh my gosh.
2: I didn't have the energy. On the weekends, you know, I could go see my friends, get up to crazy adventures or whatnot. But for those five days a week where I wasn't doing anything, like that's
1: exhausting.
2: It, it it really, really was. And mm-hmm. the blessing part is, it gave God the time to work on me. Because I'm an extrovert, and I'm loud and energetic, but I'm stubborn. And God having this time to work on me, or rather me having this time to work on myself, and to sure. let God in, um, was, a, was a, a blessing in and of itself. I had I entered into and enter, uh, exited a relationship with a, a, a woman and it ended pretty amicably. I think 2012, I would have been about 21-ish. Okay. Um, so the, the, the turbulent twenties, like they have the terrible twos, but I think there's the turbulent twenties too. Um, it's a new thing. I'm hashtag coining that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> um. I prefaced the relationship is like we have an attraction to each other. There's something here. and I don't think we can continue without defining what this is. Right? Because there there are signals being sent back and forth and if we don't know how to uh, interpret them, are we just friends? Let's get that out. let's let's clear the water. Let's let's figure that one out. because I'm not the the kind of person who likes ambiguity. And I'm not—I'm not the kind of person who—who who kind of holds back. I will jump in with—with with both feet and my eyes closed, Ooh. and that has got me in trouble more than once. But, like, I'm in. If we want to call this relationship, okay, I'm in. Let's—let's let's figure this one out. Because, in my mind, even back then, it was like, okay, relationships have the potential to end up in marriage, but you gotta—you yeah. gotta go through the relationship to figure out. You can't just kind of sit there and go like, mm, maybe, maybe no. You gotta go through it. Six weeks later, it was pretty clear that it wasn't going to go anywhere further. So the relationship ended. 2012 would have been about the, the time that my younger brother, who's still in high school, is starting to talk with the vocation director, starting to talk with the bishop and being like, hey, I have this feeling that I'm called to the priesthood. What can I do in high school to prepare myself for the university courses i'll be taking as a seminarian.
0: Oh wow. wow. I was not I that smart in high school to think about that.
2: <laughs> Neither was i. And like <laughs> this is this is part of the reason why i'm just like angry with my brother sometimes. I love him to pieces, but he's taller than me, he's got a bigger beard, and he's, you know, he entered seminary before me. Like these are three deep like these are core wounds. Um and so he was, he was talking about this. And I remember it's summertime. Steven is, he's got his own summer job and, and it rained one day. So I wasn't able to work in the field. So I came home for, for lunch and the sun would came back out. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll probably go to work back to work after lunch. And I'm sat at the table in the kitchen with my dad and it's just the two of us. And he's like, so Mark, uh, how's, how's this job going? Let's, well, Going pretty good pays my bills I have a car now I've got a cell phone I've got you know I've got stuff okay yeah yeah it's like you you see yourself doing this for a while It's like I mean sure I'm you know <laughs> I think I'm a little bit like I I don't know what I'm doing five weeks from now kind of thing like right I thought- right and so and he's like okay yeah yeah uh you know your brother He's talking with the bishop, with the vocation director, you know, about being a priest. Yeah. Hmm. Where, where are you going with this, Dad? And my dad's not the kind of person to like share openly about emotions about things. He's a very he's a very stoic, quiet person. You know, cards close to the chest. For him to be telling me this thing, it's like okay, something something's up. That he's this was going through my mind. It's like Stephen okay. is is he's thinking about being a priest and you know as i've watched you and your brothers grow up and and the the different characteristics and and talents and gifts that you had and as i always thought out of all three of them and i'm happy for stephen but i always thought that you would grow up to be the priest oh And and then and then like almost immediately was like i've said too much Oh. and then got up and left and i was like oh, okay okay um
1: he's just I gonna guess...
2: drop that and, <laughs> and <Yeah>. leave <laughs> he's just gonna he, he that's what he did that's like what he did. bomb like...
0: explosion leave okay gonna let that settle and just like have mark's mind explode
2: and it did it did like i got up kind of in in shock and i went and i did the dishes for lunch I got in my car. I think I packed myself some cookies, which are always <laughs> at hand. I went, I think it was like 17 kilometers to work at that particular field. And then I had to walk another kilometer into the field to get to the machine. Mm-hmm. And, and I spent all this time doing that. In the back of my mind, it's like this bombshell that my dad had. And I get into the machine and I turn it. I turn the key to the on position. I don't actually start the machine. And I just sat there thinking. And then my came to my senses and I turned the key off so I wouldn't kill the battery. And I called my parish priest and I was like, hey, this just happened. I think he's right. And can we talk? And I had to leave a, a, a voicemail, but I got to see him on Sunday. And he's like, yes, I'd love to do this. My schedule is like really, really booked. So can we postpone? And I was like, sure. Promptly forgot about everything. It was just like, We're going to pretend that did not happen. The summer of 2020 goes by and then it's, you know, summer or 2013. The summer leading up to my brother going to seminary was kind of just a lot of emotions because A, Mm -hmm. the kid's 18 years old. He's my parents' baby and he's moving six and something hours away. And he's like the first one of the kids to go really far away. My older brother moved, you know, an hour down the road kind of thing. And so he goes through all of that. And I'm sat on the sidelines, not really getting much attention and kind of just being like, what in the heck am I supposed to be doing with my life? Mm -hmm. And so my little brother goes off to seminary. And at about the same time, like, I'm angry. I like I'm angry with God at this point. I was like, how does Stephen know what he's doing with his life before I do? Here I am. I'm 24. I've got things and relationships I've tried I've tried them, didn't work. And, you know, here I am. What do you want from me is is kind of what it came down to. And I heard through a friend about this program called Duke and Alton. And it's okay. it's it was put on by the Salesian Sisters. It's eight retreats over eight months. Mm-hmm. So once a month, you're going to get together with a bunch of people who are in their 20s. And you're going to talk about discerning. We spent six of these days learning about things like Ignatian spirituality and discernment of spirits. And we had small groups where we would talk about, okay, so what have we done in the last month to talk about our discerning? What have we done to discern? Where are we at? Where are we at with our relationship with our friends, our family, with God? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was after the... The second one, I sent an email to my bishop. I was like, Dear Bishop, my name is Mark. I think I'm supposed to be a priest.
1: Thanks for stopping by Carol's Coffee House this week. We hope you found our conversations to be uplifting and inspiring. Mark's story is not done, but we had such a great conversation that we couldn't fit it into just one episode. So don't worry. Part two of Mark's story will be coming out really soon. We really appreciate all of your support and encouragement and your feedback helps us strive to bring good content to this podcast. If you have any ideas of topics you'd like to hear more about or are interested in, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter at carol underscore podcast or email us at Coffeehouse at gmail.com. Have a great week and God bless.